You're listening to the Vibrant Happy Women podcast, episode number 209. I'm talking with one of my favorite people, Maggie Reyes, about how our thoughts influence the results of our marriages and our parenting. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jen Ride, and this podcast is for women who want to feel more vibrant, happy, aligned, and alive. You'll gain the emotional, physical, and spiritual tools you need to get your sparkle back and ensure that depression, anxiety, and struggle don't rule your life. Welcome to the Vibrant Happy Women Podcast. Hey, my friends, welcome back. How many of you have read Anne of Green Gables? Well, in those books, Anne talks about being kindred spirits with her neighbor and best friend, Diana. And I love that phrase, kindred spirits. Well, Today, I'm interviewing someone who I feel is a kindred spirit, Maggie Reyes. She is so much fun. She shares beautiful, real-world examples of what she's trying to teach. And in this episode, we draw in examples from Whitney Houston, Justin Bieber, and the Oscars, along with an example from my husband and one of my kids. So many practical examples that should give you ideas on how your thoughts can change the outcome of your relationships and how changing your thoughts will give you a new outcome or result for those relationships. Many of us spend our time thinking that our spouse or our kids frustrate us, that they cause us frustration because of their behaviors. But as I teach in the Vibrant Happy Women Club, our thoughts about their behaviors are what give us the feelings of frustration. You can't feel that your spouse is frustrating unless you think, wow, he is being frustrating. That thought causes those feelings of frustration. My spouse is insensitive, might make you feel sad or annoyed. My child doesn't listen. Definite resentment causer. All of these negative feelings we experience in our relationships start with a thought. And so we're going to be talking about that in this episode. Now, I want you to be thinking about, as we go into this, what are the most annoying, frustrating, or resentment-causing situations in your life. Maybe it's that your spouse doesn't care how you feel. Your kids don't listen the first time you ask. Nobody's helping around the house. Whatever is happening, stop for a moment and figure out what is your thought about that situation so you can get really clear as we go into this episode. I believe that my husband is insensitive, for example. That's my thought. And don't go any further. Just figure out these thoughts. When we identify our thoughts, we can begin to change them, which gives us a new reality. We go through our lives perceiving everything around us. And we think that our perceptions are the truth with a capital T, but they are just that, perceptions with a lowercase p. We can think any thought we want to about our finances, about our marriage, about our parenting, about our kids, about our homes and the state of cleanliness or lack thereof, we can create the thought. If you haven't had time to get around to cleaning your house this week, for example, you could think, oh, my house is a pigsty. My children are pigs. (laughs) Those thoughts cause anger. Can you tell? Or frustration or resentment. There are other thoughts we can think, which might give us a different feeling like, oh, my house is such a free-flowing place for creative expression. That thought feels way better to me. Or my children love to create and try new things feels way better than they are pigs. (laughs) You get the idea. So we're going to be talking about how our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings lead to actions and our actions lead to results. This comes back from cognitive behavioral therapy created in the late 70s and 80s, at least grew popular at those times, and how we can use it in our lives. We can create thoughts that generate positive feelings about our spouses, about our kids, about our lives. We just have to learn the trick and we have to become aware of our thoughts first. So let's go ahead and dive in and learn some real life examples for doing that. Hey, everyone, I'm talking with one of my all-time favorite people, truly, Maggie Reyes, who is a life coach and modern marriage mentor who helps high-achieving women have happier marriages. Her romantic yet practical approach to love has appeared in numerous publications, including Brides, Life Hacker, and Martha Stewart Weddings, and she is the host of an awesome and brand new podcast called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. You should definitely listen. 
You can also find her at MaggieReyes.com. When she isn't coaching, you can find her on Facebook in the Better Marriage Club, her free Facebook group. Highly recommend it. Or reading Arrow fan fiction while cuddling with her hubby. Welcome back to Vibrant Happy Women, Maggie. First of all, I have to say, Jen, you are one of my favorite people, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I love every time we get a chance to chat, every time we get a chance to talk. And I always remember that this podcast changes lives in so many ways that you probably can't even imagine. But I just want to be a witness to that for you just for this moment. And for all the listeners who are nodding as they're driving and walking and running the podcast. Yep, it changed my life. Yep. Because this podcast brought you into my life when we did our first interview together. And I just feel deeply, deeply blessed that I get to be a part of your life. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And everyone, if you're like, what are you talking about? I don't remember that episode. Go listen to it right now. It's at jenriday.com slash 118. Well. Today, Maggie and I are going to talk about specifically just, well, of course, we're talking about marriage because that's what you do, Maggie, but we're going to talk about how our thoughts create the reality in our marriages or in our partnerships or with our whoever is the love interest in our lives. So tell us more about how you have found that to be true with your clients, Maggie. Absolutely. So first of all, I just want to tell everyone who might be listening, if you're not married or in a long-term loving relationship, I speak through the lens of marriage. That's where my examples come from. But these principles apply to every relationship, whether it's with a family member, a boss, a coworker. So as you're listening to us talk today, feel free to insert your own situation and whatever relationship you want to work on, improve, have become better it will absolutely apply the same principles. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So our thoughts create our reality. This is what's fascinating. We say that and to some people, it'll sound a little bit woo. Like it'll sound a little bit like wild and out there. Some people will immediately associate that with something like the law of attraction and be like, it's either for me or it's not for me, right? And here's what I have found in my deeper study of psychology and how the brain works and how we observe the brain working. If you look at something like cognitive behavioral psychology, which has a whole body of study, which has research associated with its effectiveness and the quality of the results people create when they start looking at their behavior and how their thoughts influence their behavior, it's like the gap between cognitive behavioral psychology and something that sounds a little wild, maybe like something like the law of attraction, the gap is actually very small, right? We have now scientific data that shows us that our thoughts and feelings impact our actions and our results. (laughs) Isn't that wild? Like, isn't that amazing? Yes. Tell us more about the data if you have it in your head. So I don't have it like memorized, but if you were to look up like cognitive behavioral, either CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, or cognitive behavioral psychology, There's a lot of evidence now that shows that in many different challenges that we have in life, one of the most effective interventions that we could have is to look at how our thoughts are impacting our behaviors. Mm -hmm. And when we part from like that knowledge, we say, okay, well, let's find out more about how that works. So the model that I use to coach my clients, it's called the self-coaching model. It was developed at the Life Coach School, which is where I trained where we list out things that are going to be familiar to some of your listeners. So you probably talk about thoughts and feelings and actions and results. And we have a line at the top of that that is for circumstances. So in our self-coaching model, we would write out a circumstance, which is a fact. It's something that happens that's provable in a court of law. Then we have a thought about that circumstance. That thought then creates a feeling, right? That feeling then is what dictates our actions and all of our actions are inspired by us seeking a feeling or avoiding a feeling. (laughs) Feelings become very important when we look at them as data. Feelings are data. If anyone is listening and they're like, I'm not into feelings. If you are into feelings, great. You're going to love this episode. And if you're not, just look at them as pieces of data that help us create the results in our life. So, We take action, and then that's what creates our result. And as I was talking to Jen prepping for the show, we talked a little bit about how a lot of 
her listeners, wonderful, happy, vibrant women, are very familiar with thoughts and feelings and actions, but not as familiar with circumstances. And I'd love to dive into circumstances with you a little bit, Jen, if that sounds good. Sure, sounds good. Okay, so here's what we don't realize about circumstances. We think our circumstances make us happy or unhappy. Like it's cold outside or it's hot outside. (laughs) Jen is where it's cold and I'm where it's hot. And we could have an opinion about that, which is a thought, right? I could think it's great or I could think it's awful, right? And circumstances aren't actually what's causing how we feel. It's our thought about that circumstance that causes how we feel. And so we spend a lot of our lives trying to change the circumstances of our lives not realizing or fully understanding that especially when there are circumstances that are difficult or challenging to change or we may not want to change because let's say we love our partner, we want to stay with our partner, but they're not going to change. So what do we change? The way we're thinking about our experience with our partner. Now, here's what's twisty about circumstances. Follow me for a moment. We're going to go to a special place, okay? When we think that our circumstances create our happiness and our circumstances are out of our control, we give away our power and we don't do all the things we could do and think and feel and say and decide in order to feel better. So understanding the nuance of the role of circumstances in our lives is really, really important. And whenever I teach this to my private coaching clients, this is the example that I give them and they never forget it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So I'm 46 years old. I grew up with Whitney Houston. Do you remember Whitney Houston? The greatest love of all, baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I want to dance with somebody who loves me. Okay, Whitney Houston. (laughs) Yeah. So when I grew up, Whitney Houston was like the Beyonce of her time. And you would think that she would be the happiest woman on earth. I'm going to give you a list of Whitney Houston's circumstances. She was beautiful, arguably, right? She had beautiful clothing. She traveled the world. She lived in mansions. Millions of people loved her. She had an amazing voice. She was creatively self-expressed through her music. She had an amazing career. She made many of her dreams come true. If she wanted to go on tour, she went on tour. If she wanted to go on vacation, she'd go on vacation. If she wanted to make a movie with Kevin Costner, she'd make a movie with Kevin Costner. Every circumstance that you could imagine that most of us aspire to have, whether it's money or adventures or creativity, she had them, right? And if it was true that our circumstances are what make us happy and delighted, then Whitney Houston should still be alive today. There's no reason for her not to be. What happened with Whitney Houston is she had thoughts about herself, about her life that caused her massive amounts of pain. And the way we know that this is true is because we know that she died in a very tragic way, that there was drugs and different substances involved in her departure from this earth. And that she was in emotional pain for many, many years of her life. Why was that? If she had every circumstance, we all think if I had that thing, I'd be fine. Everything would be great. And yet she had that and everything was not fine and it was not great. So if ever you think about learning why your thoughts and your feelings matter, remember Whitney Houston. Remember that it is something that is in your control, that having a circumstance that's perfect or seemingly perfect isn't the key. It's how you think about that circumstance that will determine your happiness or your frustration or whatever result you want to create in your life. So that was kind of a big little chunk, Jen. What are your thoughts around that? Okay. It's interesting you ask. (laughs) Justin Bieber, who I am not necessarily a fan of, recently made a comeback. And so he was on James Corden's Carpool Karaoke. Justin was on there. And I was intrigued when, you know, essentially I started to pay a little attention and realized he had been out of the scene for like four years. And part of the story that his manager shared was that all of these performances from age 13 onward Every huge audience and all of this attention gave him a massive dopamine hit. 
And I started to realize a lot of stars experience that huge dopamine hit. And then when they go back to regular life, they struggle to find the equivalent. You know, they've had such a massive dose. So I hear you on Whitney's thoughts and I agree with you, but also there's this physiological thing happening. So how do you pair both of those up? Yeah. So that's such a great question. So our brain is part of our body. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes we think, oh, we must manage our brain as if our brain was outside of our body. <laughs> yeah. so our brain is part of our body number one number two when you have something like that like a big dopamine hit right and the physiological response is happening we can have thoughts about it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. maybe okay he's going on tour the tour is happening the dopamine hit will occur and then we can decide right when we see oh i feel really exhilarated when i'm doing this but this isn't what normal life is like this is an exceptional thing that's happening mm-hmm. how do i come back to my life and realize that it's normal not to feel such a huge high mm-hmm. and how do i manage that and i'm going to go even another angle with this that is really interesting the same thing is true for anyone recovering from trauma so we're going to have Justin Bieber's dopamine on one side, and then we're going to think <laughs> this of... This is so much fun. It's so wild. Okay? <laughs> I, I've actually been thinking about this really deeply as I have a couple of clients who've been like through really traumatic, like overcoming an infidelity, you know, really things that are traumatic events that we must recover from that are very intense. Yes. And when we have a high level of intensity and we go to calm, suddenly it feels like a straight line, like if you imagine, I don't know, if we're watching ER or something and the heart monitor is going up and down and up and down and up and down. And then Justin Bieber has up, 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 right? On his tour. Yeah. And then goes down. And then with trauma, when we have a trauma response, even though it's not fun, like Justin Bieber has the fun side of going up, but we can have a trauma response that's also like high. So we go up and down and up and down. Then we go up, 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 up. And then mm-hmm. we go down. And when we try to bring ourselves to calm, centered, and grounded, it might feel like we're numb. It might feel like nothing is happening. It might feel uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable to be in a state of centered groundness to the point where Justin Bieber didn't know how to do that and had to learn, right? What a mm-hmm. great example. But yes. it also happens in trauma situations where we don't know how to not have that automatic response and we have to relearn how to, that calm is normal and okay. And that that wild up and down fluctuation is the exception. It's not how we live everyday life. Mm, That's interesting. So we have to change our thoughts about what calm means, that it's not necessarily boring or uncomfortable. Yeah. And here's the thing that, I really would love for your listeners to start considering, and I tell all my clients this, is that the sexiest feelings are really the ones that sound most boring, but they create the best results in our life. Oh, okay. Tell us more. So if we think about our marriage, let's give marriage as the example. Like, I want to be passionate. I want to be sexy. I want to be exciting. We're not exciting anymore. Let's go be exciting. We think that's going to create an amazing result for us. But really, feelings like calm, centered, focused, determined, those feelings that don't sound sexy when you hear them, actually create the sexiest results because when I'm calm and I can think clearly, I can slow down enough to set an intention to think about my thinking, which is what we're doing today on today's show. It's like, come with us. It's fun. We promise. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about our thinking is going to be one of the best things you ever do for the rest of your life. And when you're with someone like Jen and you listen to her show, like every week, what she's doing secretly behind the scenes She's elevating the quality of your thinking every week and you don't even notice, but. That's right. Awesome. That's, that's right. I'm brainwashing yeah. all of you. <laughs> no, it's right? just- <laughs> but, it, but it's in a positive way. In a oh, for sure. For sure. In a healthy way, right? But it's like you, by offering new thoughts, new ways of considering how your listeners are living life, what you're doing is offering them new ways to think 
that then lead to different feelings. And the feelings are often not, oh my gosh, I'm the queen of the world. Sometimes that happens. But more often than not, it's I better add that to my checklist or I better go for a walk or I better take Jen's challenge, her awesome challenge that she's doing as we're recording this, where she's doing new things. What, was it for 90 days, 40 days? Oh, yes. I'm doing the adventure experiment on my Facebook page, just doing something new or meeting a new person or having a new experience. Yeah. For nine months, actually. Yeah. For nine yeah. months. That's awesome. Yeah. So you watch Jen doing new things and you start thinking a simple thought that's possible for me. Mm -hmm. Simple thought. Like we think we need these really sexy, profound, deep thoughts, right? <laughs> yeah. No, simple thoughts like that's possible for me. I could try that. Maybe. Why don't we? Let's try it. Those thoughts will bring about hmm, a feeling of curiosity, a feeling of expansion. Then they'll bring an experiment. Then you'll try something new and suddenly you turn around and you're like, what has Jen done to my life? It's amazing. Isn't that fascinating? So back to the Justin Bieber example yeah. or Whitney. Yeah. And it even happened to me after my last Vibra Happy Women retreat. You come back to regular life mm -hmm. and these supposedly boring emotions mm -hmm. of calm, centered, focused, determined that you mentioned, they mm -hmm. actually give a great result. But we think thoughts about those feelings like, oh, this is boring. Here I am back in regular life. Lame. Yeah. So how do mm -hmm. we change our thinking to get a different result? So first of all, here's an example. I love to give all these like show business <laughs> examples because everybody can relate to this. So let's think for a moment. Let's say we visited Whitney. We visited Justin. Now we're going to go to the Oscars. Everybody put on your favorite dress. Get your makeup on. Put on your jewelry. We're at the Oscars. Okay? We're there. Yeah. Everybody thinks the Oscars is the most amazing, you know, it's such a gala, everybody looks so good, all the things, right? But how you get to the Oscars is waking up at 5 a.m. when you don't really want to and rehearsing maybe in a warehouse that's cold and ugly and running your lines with your scene partner and then working out and then eating healthy, right? Those calm centered activities, right? That is the path that you take. So when you're able to tie the fact that my, you know, Jen recording her podcast every week over and over again for years, right? Being in her routine, planning her episodes, thinking about what she's going to talk about next is how the retreat happens in the first place. That's her Oscars, right? Is the live retreat that's so amazing. Then you can tie that motivation to, I love going to the Oscars. I need to wake up at 5 a.m. and go rehearse now because mm -hmm. I want to get to the Oscars. Oh, that's Do cool. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after the retreat, I just have to look forward to the next one, of course, and then that keep doing the 5 a.m.s. Right. Right. That is one. So let's do like different types of motivation. One motivation, just look, look forward to the next one. The other type of motivation, which is like next level, but you guys can all handle it. So we're going to take you there is the rehearsal is its own reward. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, that is true. It's really true. After the big highs, we forget it. But the quicker we can get back to regular thinking, I think it's true. I love regular life much more. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, but and it, it doesn't it, sound exciting when I say it, does it? <laughs> yeah. but it? But it is. And that's, I think one of the things that we're doing is changing the conversation about what's exciting. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. It's like, yes, like loving my family and loving being home. That's super exciting. And everything else is just a fantasy. It's not really real. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, we're just going to do all entertainment examples today to think about the people who are not like a flash in the pan, like the people who last over years to come, someone like Meryl Streep, right? Someone yes. like Meryl Streep, someone like Hugh Jackman. I'm totally obsessed with Hugh Jackman. So <laughs> if you hear them talk, they'll tell you about the craft of acting, of building a character, of being in a play or making a musical or making a movie. The rehearsal is its own reward. They don't even care probably, I'm guessing, about going to the Oscars. Like, it's a fun night and it's fine. But what they're in for, like, what they want is, yeah, the warehouse, 5 a.m. I'll be there. It'll be amazing. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. So now my mind is twisting this. We got to apply this to our lives. Okay. A lot of listeners are married or moms or in some kind of relationship. 
How do we start thinking about the craft or the rewards of being a mom when society feeds us so many thoughts like, ugh, I'm a mom. I have to get up and get the kids ready. When is it going to be wine o'clock? I hear that one all the time. Like mommy needs wine. We've programmed ourselves to think that marriage is a ball and chain and parenting is a massive sacrifice that sucks most of the time. How do we (laughs) get rid of that and come back to thinking that supports our results that we desire? So you find the place in your heart where you remember that you chose this. Number one, (laughs) no one is making you make the breakfast you're choosing to make the breakfast so sometimes an exercise I give for homework to my clients to ground them back into the beauty of their choices and how they're a blessing and not a problem is to add I choose this all day long to whatever they're doing That brings you back to, first of all, to your own power. Like, I choose to make the breakfast and to wake up early because I like to make it fresh. Or once you get back to that, you are choosing it, you say, you know what? I hate making breakfast. Then you ask the question, like, how can I make it easier for my kids to have a healthy breakfast that doesn't feel terrible to me? Then you get to be creative about it. Then you get to decide, A, Some of you are going to love making the breakfast and find the love in the breakfast. Some of you are going to say, actually, have never liked it. And then depending on how old your kids are, you might make it a fun game with them and they get to make the breakfast and they get to put together the stuff. And, you know, you might decide ahead of time what the easiest, most delicious, most healthy breakfast could be and what it would take to execute that. But you don't get to the point where you make any decisions ahead of time if you're just complaining about the breakfast. You see that? Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. I live in a house that's many, many years old. I love my house, but its kitchen is very small and very tiny. And we do not have a dishwasher. So I hand wash. I and my husband, my husband and I, hand wash all of our dishes. And for anyone here who's like, oh, Maggie doesn't know what I go through, <laughs> right? When we're washing the dishes, which is like not necessarily the most fun thing that you could plan for in a day, right? Let me go wash a dish. We use that time to chat together, to like to connect with each other. We call it, let's have a wash and talk date. And we're like, oh, let's go do a wash and talk. <laughs> and we'll go wash the dishes and make each other laugh and have fun with it. So any activity that it feels rote or repetitive or unfun, you get to decide if you're going to bring the fun or not. Totally. And then it becomes fun. You think it and it matches the result of what it is. This is lame. It's going to be lame. If this is wash and talk, it's so fun. It's going to be fun. Do you find that to be true? Yeah. Notice how I describe it. It sounds like we have a blast washing the freaking dishes, right? Like the way that I talk about it, the thoughts that I have about it creates my experience. So Jen and I were talking about the stories we tell ourselves about our lives. So right now, as you're listening to us, think about the predominant story. How do you describe your marriage? How do you describe motherhood? Like, is it a sacrifice, right? That story if it isn't on the sacrifice, if that's how you describe it, we invite you to tweak it. We invite you to think about what do I love about being a mom? Remember when that was your dream, the thing you wanted most in life, and now you get to live your dream every day? It's a totally different experience. You're still a mom. You still got to wake up early and make breakfast. But now you're experiencing that from a completely different place just because I asked you a question and then you answered it with a new thought or a new story about that experience. Okay. Let's, do you think it would be cool if we could do an example? I will share a couple of thoughts and you coach me to a new thought. Maybe would that work? My pleasure. Let's do it. Okay. A story I have about my husband. It's changing already, but it's been there for quite a while, but I'll narrow it down to I'm never going to experience true emotional intimacy with him. I have to find it through my friends instead. So like the breakfast example you shared, I'm being reality-based, but is it the healthiest thought? Should I be thinking that thought? Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to experience true emotional intimacy with him. How do you feel when you think that? 
I actually feel really good because the opposite thought is what I thought for way too many years. Mm-hmm. He's so insensitive. We're never going to be close. My mm-hmm. marriage sucks. Whereas mm-hmm. this feels more empowering. I'm going to go find mm-hmm. the emotional intimacy elsewhere mm-hmm. and we'll just do what we do together, which is have fun sometimes, talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess it feels okay, actually, now that you make mm-hmm. me say it. <laughs> yeah. So notice that, like, here's what's really interesting is a thought could be constructive or destructive, even depending on how we're looking at that thought. For someone else, this could be something that causes them a massive amount of pain because they feel that they should be experiencing that intimacy with them and they feel that something has gone wrong and it causes them so much pain to think that thought. For you, because of the place you are in your own personal development, that thought brings you relief because now you have a solution and you say the type of emotional intimacy I want, I can get from another place and I can just love my husband as he is today. Yes. And I get chills when you say that because this feels amazing and it, it lets him off the hook and I can actually start enjoying what he does do well, you know? Yes. Yes. Oh, so, you're making me feel like I did something right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So notice this and I want everyone to listen. I'm not making her feel anything. Her thoughts are making her feel this way. I'm just pointing out to her what her thoughts are. Okay. Because it's so easy, especially when we work with a coach or any of you who are in therapy, we say, oh, that person made me feel this way. And now that person's not here. So I can't feel that way <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I always want to remind you, like I always take my clients to this place where I show them their own power and I constantly am returning their power to them. I'm like, no, it's yours. No, it's yours. Here, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. but I have to interject. You guys, yeah. if you want to work with the best relationship slash marriage coach ever, you've got to work with Maggie. Just want to interject that. Go to MaggieReyes.com. She's amazing. So people love her. Let me tell you for real. I want to go to the opposite extreme, a place where I haven't cleaned up my thoughts yet. One of my sons, my thoughts aren't very clean or my husband. So this particular son does half days of school, does some illegal activities. The listeners can guess what those are. My predominant thought is (laughs) his prefrontal cortex is totally offline. That's the most positive version or his life is going to suck. He's engaging in loser behaviors. That's my worst case thought. What do I do with that? Okay, so the thought, just to be clear, is he's engaging in loser behaviors or do you just think he's a loser? What do you really think, Jen? I really actually think he's a freaking winner. Why is he doing this loser stuff? Yeah, good. Okay, we always want to take a moment and sometimes we have a lot of thoughts about a situation. And we always want to take this moment to really distill it to what it's really there. So he's a winner. Why is he doing this? Yeah. And I'm actually really angry about his behavior. Like, why are you throwing away your whole life? He really is. He is not going to graduate from high school. No plans for college. You know, not very helpful because I I realized those thoughts caused me to look down on him. And that doesn't help the relationship. So, yeah. So the real thought. And notice, you guys, this is what happens in your own self-coaching and when you're coaching in this style to really uncover how your thinking is creating your results is your thought about his behavior is you are throwing away your life. Yep. And when, <laughs> yes. and when you think that, you get really angry, right? Or what I, I, is the feeling? The feeling, because anger was so painful, I've let that go. <laughs> That's pointless. <laughs> And I Mm -hmm. couldn't handle the pain of that feeling. Mm -hmm. So the thought is acceptance to some extent Mm -hmm. and sadness probably. Mm -hmm. I think if we went to acceptance, it would probably be fueled by a different thought. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Just to model that, just to model that for everyone. There's a place in Jen's life where she probably thinks I've done everything I could. That part is like acceptance. I've done everything I could for him. This is what he's doing, and I accept. That is probably in the family of the thoughts that lead to acceptance. But in the moment when you really have, he does one more thing, (laughs) okay? Yeah. And you think you're throwing away your life, the sadness comes. See the difference. And there's a bunch of thoughts. You're right. It's a family of thoughts. Yeah. There's maybe thoughts of, I should be doing more. But that thought is super painful. So I, I push it very far away because I'm not sure I can do more. 
I really want to start thinking he's really awesome and really just always think it because I know that will help him maybe rise to the occasion of, oh, my mom thinks I'm awesome. Why shouldn't I be? But then these behaviors don't match awesome. That's where I get stuck. Okay. So when we look at our results, we are the only person who appears in our result line. So when we're thinking about the results, it's my experience of that other person. And I'm going to take you to a place that you weren't thinking about now. But as I was listening to you, I think it's valuable for everyone listening to hear this. You touched upon how painful it is to think I should be doing more. And that model, so that's a model that we're thinking in if we think of the self-coaching model. I'm going to say it. So the circumstances, my son does things. He just does things, right? <laughs> yes, right, right. <laughs> that is the most neutral way to describe what he's doing. We have a judgment about those things, whether they're good or bad, or whether they're constructive or destructive. But at the end of the day, he's doing some things, mm-hmm. right? Right. And your thought about those things is he should be doing more. He should be doing the things that will help him grow, learn, evolve, have a great life, right? He should be doing more. Okay. Or he should stop doing the illegal things, at least. No. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. But yeah. all of that, like, this is the reason that they're connected because let's imagine that you think he should be doing more. Mm-hmm. And when you think that, how does that feel? If you just let yourself be there for a moment, what is that feeling that comes up? Disappointment. Disappointment. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Now, When you think he should be doing more, what are some of the things that you do or stop doing in your role as his mom or when you think about him or in your relationship to him? Oh, my gosh. This is hard, but I already know the answer. Rather than go into disappointment, I withdraw to keep myself as separate from him as I can because that gives me the least discomfort. You withdraw from him. And then you also avoid some of your own feelings. It's like that feeling feels too hard. Let me not feel it. And I just want to so deeply honor you for sharing this with your listeners because literally all of us have felt this way. All of us have done this in some relationship. Okay. So first of all, thank you, Jen, for just being so open and so transparent so that all of us can learn and grow. So he should be doing more. I feel disappointed. I withdraw. I avoid some of my intense feelings because they're too hard. When we avoid them, we never process them. So they're just there waiting <laughs> or getting bigger. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. What do you stop doing? Like what stops happening when you think he should be doing more? Well, when I think the thought, I wish he would stop doing these illegal things. Well, I stop hearing what he's doing because I don't want to hear about the illegal things. So I just kind of stop talking about anything he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you stop connecting with him. It's almost like I'm to protect myself rather than see the good things. I just see the bad things. Then I won't be disappointed by it. You know what I'm saying? It's really sad, but I'm trying to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. No. And so... Thank you. Because again, everyone, all of us have had this scenario with someone at some point in our lives. So you withdraw, you avoid some of the intense emotions, you stop connecting with him, you don't get to enjoy the things that he is doing well, like you miss out on celebrating those things, no matter how minor they may be. (laughs) They may seem really small, right? But there are some good things that are happening, but you don't get to enjoy those. And The result of thinking he should be doing more is that you experience yourself as I should be doing more. Oh, icky. Right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little trippy, right? Because we think, oh, it's all about him. It's all about he should be doing more. But the truth is one of the things that causes you this pain that you want (laughs) to avoid at all costs, apparently, is... When we really go deep into, oh, I'm experiencing myself as a mom as I haven't done enough, which is like poison to our mom heart, right? I'm not a mom, but I obviously (laughs) can have so much compassion and love for anything that we love. We love our kids. We're like, we love our families, right? 
And so that we think that the thing we love the most, we're not doing enough for it. It's like poisonous. Yeah. Right? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, so the thought I've been trying to practice is he is really awesome. He just has to wake up to that fact. And that feels better. Do you think that's a good thought to practice or is there one that would be even better? So here's the thing. Okay, you guys, we're going at a deep level because you listen to Jen's show. You're ready for it. Okay. When we learn that our thoughts create our results, all of us want to jump into better feeling thoughts. And sometimes that's a great idea and I highly encourage it. And Jen and I, you know, teach people how to do that for a living. So that's great. But <laughs> the next level <laughs> is to be with the uncomfortable thought and just let it be there. That I should be doing more. Just allowing yourself to think I should be doing more. Oh, no, don't make me. <laughs> right? Without judgment. Like to yeah. allow yourself to be in the model that you're in and say, this is what's happening right now. This is what I'm creating. I've created my experience of my son. I can now choose to have a different experience of my son, but to skip over processing the feelings that you have about the model that you're in is what I wouldn't recommend. And thank you for giving such a clear example of that. Cause you're like, I want to feel differently now, switch my thought now, right? Because we all want that. But the process of understanding that we can have a very real feeling like disappointment that's real in your body. It's now a physiological reaction in your body. Like Justin Bieber, I mean, it actually happened. That real feeling can be based on a false thought or a thought that we could reinterpret or reimagine or choose a new one. But once we've had the feeling, once the feeling has occurred, we now need to process that feeling. <laughs> yes, I believe you. I call it feel it to heal it. As yes. you focus on it, it will dissolve. I, I believe that. Yes, 100%. So if you think of a baby, I love you babies as an example because it's so cute. So you think of a baby, they stub their toe, they start crying like the world has ended. And then two seconds later, they're on to their next doll, right? The next thing. Doll, play, yay, right? We as adults need to be more like babies in that way that we say, I feel disappointed. I feel massively disappointed. I hate feeling disappointed. Let disappointment wash over you without becoming disappointment. Just let it be there. Just allow it. See that it's a vibration in your body. You will not die from it. You do not have to avoid it. You do not have to pretend it's not there. Just like a baby who stubbed their toe, you let yourself cry if you need to cry. You, if you need to punch a pillow, I have punched a pillow in my time. <laughs> you let yourself do it and then it dissipates. Then you can start thinking, I love my son even when he's doing some wacky things. I gotcha. Okay, so work through wherever you feel that strong sticking emotion. Don't pass it up and replace it right away. Feel it first. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yes. So I yeah. have some shame to work through still. I thought I had done it, but you helped me to see that there's still some shame there. Yeah. And shame is a really intense feeling for a lot of us. And so what I invite you to do is to see that shame with compassion and love. Like if you were holding little baby Jen, imagine that baby Jen came into your care and she came into the world with like this mountain of shame. You would hold her with so much compassion and love and show her that shame is a feeling that we feel. All humans experience it at some point. It's not who you are. It's not who you were meant to be. It's not your greatness. It's not your wisdom. It's just a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's part of being human. It's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. And I can kind of sense as I deal with this feeling in myself, it will resolve the feeling I have mm -hmm. toward my son too. Isn't mm -hmm. that weird? Isn't it though? See? <laughs> yeah. When you can accept the darkest parts of yourself, guess what happens with the darkest parts of your son? Mm -hmm. I feel it. And does yeah. the same thing work in a marriage when you have very dark, 
critical thoughts about your partner? Do you really have some work to do on yourself? So I always say we have work to do on ourselves no matter what, right? We're human. If we left our human brains to just go to their own devices, they'd be like toddlers putting their hands in the sockets all the time. (laughs) Like, like, so so our brain in its natural state is like a wild child, right? Just like running around, right? Getting into traffic. We don't want that. Yeah. So we always have work to do on ourselves. And oftentimes, especially when it's criticism, if it's criticism that we feel or disappointment or anger or resentment, which happens often in marriages, the step back that we take is to look at how am I showing up in my life and what can I do to be the person that I want to be regardless of what my partner's doing, which is exactly what we did with your son. You want to be a loving mother, a devoted mother, no matter what he's doing on any given day. And who you are is that person who's loving and devoted, regardless of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. What's happening now is he's doing some things, and then you're like, well, maybe I'm not such a loving mother. Maybe I'm kind of bitchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right? And so the same thing applies in any relationship, whether it's our boss, our husbands, you know, an extended family member, the cousin, whoever. It's like, who do I want to be? And can I be that person no matter what is standing in front of me? then usually to answer that question requires quite a bit of personal investigation, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Requires some intentional thinking, requires us looking at what did we think before? What results did we create? We can always tell what we're thinking in our lives by the results that we have created. Good things, great. Things that are not so good, hmm, there's some tweaks to be done in our thinking there. Mm -hmm. Then you look at your new thoughts. What new thoughts must they think for a new result, perhaps? Yeah. So, and it's going to change and be different for everyone, right? So the thought that works amazingly for me, like a thought that works amazingly for you is that you're not going to have the emotional intimacy with your husband that you thought you were going to have. That thought brings you so much relief. But if I thought that thought, it wouldn't bring me relief, right? I'd have some other emotion with that thought. Yeah. That's so weird. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So for each person listening, it's like what brings them relief is going to be slightly different. But the idea to remember, what is the story I'm telling about this situation? And is that story bringing me pain or bringing me delight? If you wanted to really distill it right to something super simple that you could just walk away from this episode knowing what to do. It's what is the story I'm telling? Is that story serving me or hurting me? What is the new story that I want to tell? Then the model that you use or the exercise that you do, you know, Jen will guide you through her exercises and her amazing program in the Vibrant Happy Women Club. She will guide you through a bunch of different exercises and there's so many different things that you can do. From my opinion, I love having a person who is living this in her own journey, like the way that Jen shares her journey. You know that she's guiding you the way she's guiding herself to feel the relief she feels that she described about how she feels about her husband now and to process what she's processing about her son now. Like that is the kind of person who's going to show you if you've never done this before, how to do it and knows the pitfalls and where you might slip up. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, the fact that we create our realities, even in our relationships is so empowering. We don't have to feel stuck anymore waiting for other people to change. We can change it all. And what's really, really amazing is when we have a moment of clarity where we can see how we contributed to a result and then change how we are showing up in that relationship and completely experience the relationship differently, even if the person doesn't change at all, Mm -hmm. is amazing. Mm -hmm. It really is. If I can have happy relationships, everyone, you can. I think that's why my relationships have been what they are. So I can give you the example of the worst case scenario. No, just kidding. That's a thought. Change that. (laughs) I'm I'm just kind of kidding, but kind of not. Anyway, if I can do it, we can all do it. That's right. Yeah, Maggie, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I love talking about how our thoughts affect our realities, especially in relationships. And you are the master. Everyone go listen to Maggie's podcast. Tell us again what it's called and where they can find it. Absolutely. It's called The Marriage Life Coach Podcast. 
And it's literally everywhere that podcasts are out. You can go to my website, maggiereyes.com forward slash podcast and see all the episodes and then subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. It's a good one. I listened to the first three episodes and I need to catch up again, but oh, such a good podcast. You are doing good work in the world. We appreciate your gifts, Maggie. It's amazing. Thank you so much. I received that with such a grateful heart and I can't wait to, for us to talk again. Thank you. We will do it again. Have a good day. Thanks, Maggie. Bye. Oh, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. I love her. I wish that I could go live in Miami and be her neighbor. A, she's amazing. And B, it's warmer there. (laughs) But I hope you learned some good stuff from this episode, especially about identifying your thoughts about the important people in your life, your spouse, your kids. I'm going to challenge you going forward this week to look at your thoughts, journal about your thoughts, do a brain download about your thoughts. And if you are like I used to be toward my husband, my thoughts used to be that he is insensitive, he's a jerk, he's mean, he's cold, he has autism. The negative focus resulted in a negative outcome because My experience of that relationship is my own and my thoughts caused it. And when I began to shift my thoughts and look for those positives, like he's a really good dad, he makes really good salad dressing, and slowly my brain started to see more and more and more of the good things, my new thoughts are he really can be sensitive in the ways he is capable of. He is a good listener. He's becoming a very reflective listener. I start to see new positive truths about him that change my feelings about him and therefore change the entire result of the relationship. I love it. And when I start to slide back into old patterns of negativity, or I notice that I'm not really liking him, I have to stop, identify my thoughts, feel what I feel, and then go back and change those again. And we learn this tool over and over and over again in the Vibrant Happy Women Club. If you want to heal your marriage or heal your thoughts and feelings about your kids or your mom or your dad or your neighbor or a friend, definitely join us in the Vibrant Happy Women Club. We do this over and over again through our monthly workbook, through coaching calls with myself and with guests like Maggie Reyes. And next week, on the podcast, we'll be hearing from Laura Froyan. We get to learn from guests like that in the club all the time. Practical, real-life coaching calls where you can ask your questions and have them coach you. It's a great, great place to be if you want to grow at a great, great price. And I would encourage you to join us if you would like to grow in this area. That's at jenriday.com slash join. Well, I appreciate you listening. I will be back next week with Laura Froyan a positive parenting expert, and she is so good. I loved talking with Maggie today, and I feel so privileged to get to interact with people like them, and most especially people like you, the Vibrant Happy Women listeners. I love you guys. I hope you feel my love. I admire your commitment to growth and to happiness for yourself and for your loved ones. Thank you for listening, and make it a vibrant and happy week. Take care. If you enjoy this podcast, you have to check out the Vibrant Happy Women Club. It's my monthly group coaching program where we take all this material to the next level and get you the results that will blow your mind. Join me in the Vibrant Happy Women Club at jenriday.com slash join.